You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. I've titled my message today, Wish Lists. Wish Lists. And we're going to read from a passage in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. And it says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, we all have wish lists, right? We all want things, especially in this season of the year where it's a season for presents, a season for giving. We want things. We want new things. We want things we've never had, things that we see our friends enjoying, and we think, I want to enjoy that too. I want to have that too. We want old things that we used to have, and we don't have any longer. Maybe it's a season that you lived. Maybe it's something that you used to enjoy, a hobby. Maybe it's a part of your life that you don't get to experience anymore, and you want it. It's part of your wish list. We want to do things. We want to travel. We want to learn. We want to take that class. We want to work. We want to look a certain way, right? We want to wear a certain style. We want to undo things, undo a toxic relationship that you wish you've never developed. Maybe you feel like you need to get a little bit healthier, so we want to get rid of the excess weight. We want to get rid of debt. We, we want to undo things. We want to sell the house, sell the car, travel, and just see the world. And as we celebrate the holidays, as we celebrate this season, and we get ready to welcome a new year, we are bombarded. We are surrounded by suggestions, by options on what to put on that wish list. All around us, there is a market that we're a part of screaming at us to influence this very important part of us, which is our will. And they're trying to fill up our wish lists Not because they have our best interests at heart, but because we are part of a system that is competing for our attention. Not necessarily looking to the ultimate goal or design that we were made to. Not necessarily looking to our purpose. But there are many options out there to fill our wish lists and to drive our will. Now, this is something that we need to understand Because if we are going to accomplish anything, good or bad, if we're going to accomplish anything, whether it's purposeful, whether it's part of God's plan for our life or not, it's going to be driven by will. It's going to be driven by our will. Our will to get informed, our will to get educated, our will to experience, our will to dream, our will to get ahead. And here's the problem with that, is that many times, and this might have happened to you here in the past, Many times our will can be unhinged, can be without a foundation. And an unhinged will is seeking for meaning. You seek for those things that matter. You you seek for fulfillment. And your will is really up for grabs. Whatever is the next greatest option, whatever is the next best option gets your attention. And there you go, following that path. Not sure of the outcome entirely. But you got to try it out because deep inside, you're searching and you're looking for that place, that, that final and ultimate place where your purpose will be fulfilled. Or on the other end, your will 
can be connected to this idea that you have of yourself. And you're completely sure of who you are. You know exactly who you are, what you need to do, and you know exactly your path to follow. And then you have an experience. You have a transforming experience in your life. You have a traumatic experience. You have something that changes you. Maybe a big mirror is put in front of you and you realize, you know what? I'm not the person I thought I was. I'm not, that, I'm not that individual I thought I was, and I made all these decisions betting that I was that person, and now I feel like I've wasted my time. Not only that, now I feel lost because the will was misplaced. The same will that can get you that wonderful partner that you've always dreamed of can also get you kicked out of paradise to make a reference to Genesis here. The same will that can drive you to achieve can drive you to make mistakes. The same will that can drive you to do something that makes you proud can drive you to do something that causes a lifetime of regret. So how do we find that direction? Well, in this passage, Paul gives us a window in how to deal with this problem of a will that is misplaced or not put in the right right foundation but I got to give you I got to give you a little bit a little bit of context on this book of Philippians because it's a very unique book here Paul Paul he is writing to a group of people that is in Philippi now this this is referred to in Acts 16 there's the backstory right there in Acts 16 and there's a few things that we can only speculate but we know by the the account in Acts 16 that Paul has a dream an actual dream and in this dream, a Macedonian man comes to him and invites him into his house or has a conversation with him. And Paul interprets that to be God's will for him to go to Macedonia and preach in Macedonia. So he gets up he, he, and Paul and Silas head to Macedonia and they get to this town, Philippi, which by that time it was about 400 years old. It was 10 miles inland from the port city. It was a prominent town at that time. And he finds a group of women who are talking. And he begins to share the gospel with this group of women. Now we can only speculate that this church in Philippi was started by this group of women. Which that makes me excited. And this one woman called Lydia convinces them to stay with, with her in her house. She says, if I found favor, like if you've seen the transformation in my, in my life, please, I'm paraphrasing, please come to my house and stay. And we understand that that's how that community started. Now, here's what happens. Paul is interested in developing that community. He's interested in pastoring that community, shepherding that community to growth. But Paul gets arrested. He is arrested, and now he's in jail. He lost his freedom, and in jail, he wants to make sure that this group of people continues to grow. He wants to make sure that they continue on the path that they started. Now, it is worth to say that this is a society that is a patriarchal society. It is an authoritarian society that looks for the leader. The father of the family owned everybody in the family and the servants and everything, including the wife and the kids. He owned them. He could do to them whatever they want, he wanted. The emperor could do to its people whatever he wanted to do to its people. So it's, it's a society, a culture that looked for the leader. And now their leader is gone. He's in prison. 
And Paul begins writing to this group of people, and he begins to say things like, Listen, I am convinced that he who began the good work will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He points it to God. He says, listen, I didn't start it. It's really not built on me. This whole thing is built on God. He introduces this brand new idea that these individuals, independently of how influential they were or not, independently of whether they were wealthy or not, independently of whether they are educated or not, they actually can come into the presence of God and grow. They come into the presence of God and have a relationship with God and progress in their lives, even though Paul is not there with them. And he uses Jesus as the prime example of this new mindset. And he goes on Philippians chapter 2, we see Paul encourage them with these words. He says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ... Any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. He relates this with such eloquence. But this is kind of shocking to his readers, to his listeners. This is very shocking because this was a culture that was used to... Class. This was a class system culture. If you were poor, you were less important than someone who was rich. If you were not educated, you were less important than someone who was more educated. The blood that was in your veins mattered. Your family name mattered. Who you were mattered. If you were a Roman, you had one kind of status. If you were not a Roman, you had a different kind of status. And this is a town comprised of Macedonians, Romans, and Greeks. It's a mixture, and they are very much under this patriarchal authoritarian culture. And Paul introduces this idea of equality, this idea of preferring one another, this idea of humility, of actually considering someone else more important than yourself. This is unheard of. And he says, Jesus himself abdicated of his divinity for you and I. He did not count equality with God to be something to be grasped, but he made himself a person, not only a person, he made himself a servant. And here he sets the scene, he sets the picture that not only drives them to this idea of honoring one another, but opens a new realm of possibility to these brand new Christians. Where he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Let's break that down a little bit. He begins by saying, listen, work out your own salvation. In other words, you can do it. You can do it yourself. 
You don't depend on a religious leader. You don't depend on an authority figure for you to actually come to God. You can do it yourself, and you should do it yourself. You can work out your own salvation. You are able to do it with fear and trembling. Now, this is a very interesting expression. Fear and trembling was a Greek expression that meant to describe someone. Someone who, even though he or she felt like he didn't have the right uh, capacity to fulfill the requirements, even though the person felt like they didn't have the ability to fulfill what it was required of them, they did it anyway with their best effort. That's what fear and trembling means. It means that even though you don't think you're able to do it, you put your best foot forward. Even though you don't think you are fully able to fulfill the requirements, you go for it. With your best effort. And he says, you know what? Work out your salvation with this mentality. Even when you think you're going to come up short. Even when you think that you have too much in your, in your past. Even when you think that you have too much debt counting against you. Do it. Give it your best. For it is God who is at work within you. It is God who works within you to will and to work for his good pleasure. What he's saying is, as you work out your salvation, even though you don't think you can, but you put your best foot forward, God works within you, and he begins to transform you. Now, there's a transformation that takes place, even at your will. Your will begins to be reshaped by his will. Your desires begin to be reshaped by his desires. And when that happens, your outlook begins to change. Your purview of life begins to change. It transforms you from the inside out. God does not do this in an authoritarian way. He's not imposing his will on you. He's not saying you do this because that's what I want you to do, period. He's transforming you from the inside out. He's transforming your will as you work out your salvation. So then you begin to have new thoughts. And some of you here, you've experienced that in your life. Because you began a connection with God maybe not too long ago. And maybe you're here this morning and you're not even a Christian. You're not really part of a Christian community. You came because somebody dragged you here and you're here now. Well, too bad. <laughs> Welcome. We love you. <laughs> but you have this sense that your life is meant to mean something. And you have this sense that, that you need a place of rest. You need something to connect to. And I got to tell you, when you connect to God, he begins to transform you from the inside out. And that's where you begin to have new ideas, new thoughts, a new outlook for your life, you begin to have this sense that your life has purpose, that your life has meaning, that you were created for a purpose, that you were created for something bigger than yourself. He transforms you from the inside out for his good pleasure with the will that's pleasing, perfect, and good. That tells me this, that our wish lists, however full they may be, should have as the first item, God's will. The, the, the qualifier, God's will. To present to God our wish lists, really trusting in his will for our lives. But here's the question, how do we, act, we actually do that? If, if the key to have this transformative will of God in our lives is to work out our salvation, how do we do it? How do we work out our salvation? 
what is this magic thing that can change us from the inside out? How do we work out our salvation? Well, Paul shares three things that he did and that you and I can do. Everybody here in this room can do this. You and I can do these three things. And if you've been in church for a while, you know this. You've heard this. You've read this. You probably have this memorized. But if, if this is something new to you, this is something that you can do today. You can start today. We're going to look at the next chapter, Philippians 3, verses 13 through 15. He said, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Here, he addresses three time periods in his life. His past, his future, and then his present. He says, this is what I do. This is where I start. I forget the past. I forget what is behind. I forget what is trying to hold me back. I forget about that person that I used to be because I'm not that person any longer. I forget. And in some of you, you need to practice this. You need to forget. The reason why you're trying to press on, you're trying to move forward, you're trying to get ahead and you can't, is because you can't forget. You're holding on. Your mind is attached to something that happened years ago. And your life is in a, in a prison of sorts because you cannot Forget, and you have to make this decision here today that you are going to forget. Forgetting what lies behind. Paul is talking about his own past, a past that he's not proud of, a past that he wished would have never happened. But he says, I forget. And he says, forgetting. This is an active thing that he does every single day, forgetting what is behind. You and I need to forget. Having forgotten, we have to understand this. We must press on. Press on for the upward call. There is an upward call for each one of us. You and I here, we have been called for something greater, for something bigger. We have been called by God for His purposes. And as we are called, He draws to a future that's not yet realized, but we know for sure it's in His presence and it is His will that it comes to pass in our lives. And so we press on for that dream. We press on for that thing we seek. We press on for that desire. We keep pressing on. And what that is, it means that every single day you make a decision to be who you are meant to be. You make a decision to become who you are meant to become. You make a decision every single day to press on. You don't put it on the back burner. You don't put your purpose on the back burner. You don't put your life's journey on the back burner as a second, third, fourth item in your list. Every single day you press on. You work at your talent. You work at your, your, what God has placed in your hands. And you press on toward the prize. And the third thing that is just as important. When you have figured out how to let go of the past and forget it. And how to embrace the future, it leaves us you with today. And this is where many of us end up overlooking. He says, we hold on to what we have attained. We hold on to the progress we've made. Some of us, we might get discouraged by how far we need to go. But we need to remember how far we've come. 
how far God has brought us, how much we have already attained, and we need to hold on to it. Here's why it's important to hold on. <clears throat> Some of you might have heard this saying before. Everyone wants a revolution. No one wants to do the dishes. Goes the saying. Everybody wants a transformative life. Everybody wants to be extraordinary. But nobody wants to do the dishes. And you may be here today and you want your life to be extraordinary. You want your life to <clears throat> break through that glass ceiling. You want your life to mean more than anybody else in your family. You want to achieve more. You want to make your family and name proud. You want to break through some of those curses. You want to get beyond the limits of everybody who is around you. And you want the extraordinary so badly that you overlook the ordinary daily practices that actually causes you that cause you to grow, that actually cause you to get to that place where you are meant to be. We forget that we need to do the dishes. We want to do the extraordinary. We want the revolution. But we don't want to do the dishes. You know, your will will be tested. As your will is transformed... As your will is transformed to press on toward that goal, it will be tested. It will be tested by fatigue. It will be tested by days where you don't feel the motivation to press on. You don't feel the motivation to keep going. Your will will be tested by the latest fad, the latest trend that is going to try to grab your attention and distract you. Your will will be tested. But do you have the resolve, the commitment to pursue the thing that God has called you to pursue? Do you have the commitment to become who you were meant to become? Do you have the commitment to be transformed daily? You know, you might be somebody who will do something extraordinary. You might be someone here who will invent something that is going to change the world. You might be somebody here who will produce something that's going to transform Thousands of people's lives. And you feel like you're meant to do that. You feel like your life is meant to mean way more than it does right now. But you don't feel like anything within your reach is actually above average. You don't feel like your talents are above average or that anything that you have is above average. And you may be discouraged by that. In other words... You feel like God has called you to change the world. But he has you in front of the sink with a sponge in your hands and a bunch of dirty dishes that nobody cares for. Let me encourage you with this. Trust God and do those darn dishes. Trust God and do the dishes. Every single day, work your salvation and hold on to what you have attained. And trust God because he's not letting you go. He's not going to let you go. He's not going to let the purpose that he has planned for your life to go. He's not going to let what he has invested in you and purposed your life for to go. So I want to do something with you today where we can start this process of forgetting, pressing on, and holding on. some of you here, you actually need to forget. You need to forget 
certain things that are holding you back. See, Paul, in this scripture here, he lists all the things that he done that he regrets. He used to be a strong religious leader in his community. He sanctioned persecutions, imprisonments. And in some cases, we believe that he even sanctioned killings. Paul, who's now professing the same Christ that he persecuted. Paul, who is now investing his life to build the church that he once tried to extinguish. He has these deep, deep regrets in his life. And every single day, they were trying to hold him back. Now, I know you're getting the pens and you're getting the papers, but just stay with me for a minute. Because you might have something that happened 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, that still eats at your soul and at your peace and at your mind, and you can't seem to let go. It might be somebody that did something to you. It might be an event in your life where you failed, where you disappointed yourself. It might be something that happened to you that is not your fault at all, but it's holding you back. It's keeping you connected to a past that you don't belong to any longer. And today we're going to do something very symbolic. It's a symbol. But I want you to get that paper. You don't have to write your name. You don't have to identify yourself in any way. But I just want you to write something that symbolizes that event or that person in your life. If you want to write that person's name, if you want to write an event, if you want to write the business failure, if you want to write the class that you failed, or whatever that is eating at you that you know God is speaking to you right now and you feel like, this is what I need to forget. This is what I need to let go. It might be a relationship that really, really hurt you deeply. It might be somebody that was unfair to you in a way that it wasn't supposed to be. Someone who was meant to love you and actually broke you. This is the day where we forget. We forget what lies behind. So we keep press forward. If you're done writing, let me invite you to stand right now, if you don't mind. When you put your heart in God and when you work out your salvation and you are transformed by God's life in you, those things that try to hold you back have no power over your life. And as you hold that paper, I want to ask you right now to, after we pray, to rip it. You're going to rip that in half. And that's a symbol of you forgetting it. That's a symbol of your decision to, leaving it, to leave it behind. That's a symbol of you to saying, listen, this is not going to hold me any longer. This is not going to hold me back. This is not going to keep me from pressing on and from growing, from pursuing the purpose of God for my life. I'm not attached to this any longer. Maybe it held me for a year or two. Maybe it held me for a few months. But no more. Not anymore am I going to be held by this negative thing that's trying to keep me from God. So right now, if you don't mind, let's just open our hearts and pray together. God, I present every single person here before you, Father. Every situation, every real, real situation, Father, that your people went through. And we present this record of debt. We present this record of condemnation. We present this record of guilt before you, Jesus. And we receive your forgiveness. We receive your redemption. We receive your restoration, Father. And we decide to forget it. 
This morning we forget those things that are behind. This morning we forget those things that the enemy constantly tries to accuse us of. And we embrace your freedom. We embrace your love. We embrace your hope, Father. We receive your forgiveness in the name of Jesus, what you did on the cross. We receive it, God. Continue to transform us. Continue to reveal yourself to us, Father. For you have washed us indeed, and we are made new indeed. So we give you our hearts. We give you our minds. And right now, we cancel this record against us in the name of Jesus. And you can rip it and sing, You Washed Me. You washed me.